0: Welcome to the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. Every week, we'll be talking shop with lacrosse goalies, coaches, and special guests. This is the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. Now your host, Coach Damon Wilson. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, goalies from around the world, this is... Your host, Coach Damon Wilson. This is a Lax Goalie Rap Podcast. A podcast 100% dedicated to the best position in sports, lacrosse goalie. Someone asked me the other day, where did you come up with that, oh yeah, intro? And you know, the first time I heard the intro music, I had someone, I paid someone to make that intro music. And the first time I heard it, that was just the first thing that came to my head and we're going with it. We're now eighty nine episodes in. I think I've done it every single episode, so there we go. If you're new to the show, go back and listen to all 88 episodes. Uh, I'm just kidding. If you're new to the show, this is a show about lacrosse goalies, where the purpose of this podcast is to make you a better lacrosse goalie. So it is my job to talk to the best coaches, trainers, goalies in the game, tease out the details of what makes them so great. I've really been mildly obsessed with vision training ever since Trevor Tierney presented the topic of the quiet eye for lacrosse goalies at the Lacrosse Goalie Summit. And part of my research led me to today's guest, Dr. Robert Bonfilio, who spent a lot of time working with professional lacrosse players in this topic of sports vision training. He specifically worked with the Boston Cannons when when Coach Bill Day uh, was the head coach, shout out Coach BD. Dr. Robert Bonfilio also wrote a couple great articles on Inside Lacrosse on this topic, and in the show notes, you can find links to those. So I wanted to get Dr. Robert Bonfilio on to talk all about the eye and sports vision training. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Robert Bonfilio. Before we begin this episode with Dr. Bonfilio, I want to read a word from our sponsor, and that is my own virtual lacrosse goalie summit. Uh, If you've attended one of the three summits, you know how awesome these events are. Top goalies, top coaches in our sport just dropping knowledge unlike anything that's really out there. It's just so amazing uh, what they're able to produce and I know people love it and they learn so much. I'm actually running a special right now. So if you listen to this, and you go to com slash coach. You can get free access to watch any of the 44 different sessions for 24 hours, okay? So you can sign up there, get access, watch everything that you want for free for 24 hours, and learn, and learn, and get better, all right? That's the promo we're running. That is the sponsorship for this podcast. Once again, it is my own virtual lacrosse goalie summit go to laxgoalierat.com slash goal and you can get signed up to check those out uh, for 24 hours enjoy the show all right well let's do it let's get this party started Uh, ladies and gentlemen yeah I'm here with the optometrist Dr.
1: Robert Bonfilio doctor welcome welcome to the show thank you for having me it's a it's a pleasure to be here and I'm looking forward to this hour and ever since you contacted me and said you wanted to do it I've been looking forward to it yeah. Well, thank you. It's,
0: it's been, um, you know, the, the idea of vision training and, and just optometry has been on my mind since uh, we did a goalie Summit where all these uh, lacrosse coaches came in and kind of taught on different topics. And one of them was Trevor Tierney. And he talked about this, this concept of a quiet eye. And it, for many of us, including me, it was really the first time um, we'd heard about it. And so I I then Googled, you know, quiet eye and your name came Mm -hmm. up for a art with an article talking about eye movements and visual skills for lacrosse. And so that's why I reached out. I'm just so excited to, uh, yeah, to get to get to I don't remember where that that was published. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll send you the link or I'll include the link when okay. this comes out inside lacrosse, inside lacrosse. Oh, that's right. Um, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So the first question, I guess, is for, you know, for someone, you know, as a youth goalie or, or just getting to know this, like, how do you define this quiet eye?
1: Well, quiet eyes concept was something that came out of the study of elite comparing the elite and the, the near elite or the just one step below the elite performers across many many sports and what the research showed was that for the top performers when they were performing the task itself there was a period during which there was relatively little or virtually no eye movement obviously there's a little movement that the that the eyes will have but within a certain parameter and and i don't recall the numbers offhand but basically the eye is still Mm -hmm. and it's only about a fifth of a second about 200 milliseconds. And it overlaps the completion of the task. So it actually starts before the task, ends after the completion of the task. The the simplest thing that I like to use to explain it is a putt in golf, because almost everybody understands that. And what they found was that the best putters will keep the eyes right on the contact point between the putter and the ball before during and after contact and they'll maintain it after contact for a certain length of time. Now, those of us that like to go miniature golfing probably got in the habit of starting to track the ball at, at the instant of contact. And the concept here is that if you're, if you're doing that, you sent the signals to your eyes to start moving before you made contact. So mm-hmm. now what's been studied, the concept of quiet eyes has been studied in, Uh, countless sports has been studied in tennis field hockey ice hockey ice hockey (laughs) goaltending volleyball tennis table tennis all sorts of things and uh, what they found with I suppose the closest closest analogy would be uh, hockey goaltending and one of Dr. Vickers' research associates, uh, Derek Panchuk is his name. He wrote a a great article and did a study on ice hockey goalies. And what he found was that they would, the best of the best would maintain fixation or hold up their eye right on the puck just before and beyond the point at which the, the stick made contact with the puck. So they would hold it there. And the idea here is very simple. You're giving the brain the opportunity to gather the information it needs in order for you to make this make the save.
0: Mm-hmm. So, like so, t- taking a step back, like the way the optometry and the eye works. Let's just talk about that for a second, right? So, I'm a lacrosse goalie, right? And mm-hmm. I see this projectile coming at me, and yes. my eye then, you know, it, it probably takes like I don't know, a couple milliseconds for me to just recognize that, like, here comes this object. I see it going to the top left, right, and th- and mm-hmm. then my brain, then I need to tell my brain, you know, all right, let's go get it. Let's go make that save movement. Right. Right. So what, what's happening there from
1: like an optometrist standpoint, when we see this projectile coming at us? Well, there's a constant feedback loop between the eyes and the brain and the muscles. You're seeing it, you're tracking it, you're feeding back to the, to the hands, making the save, And as you do that, it's constantly feeding back to the visual system. So, There's a constant uh, input from the visual stimulus and Mm -hmm. where you're reaching out to. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's like a feedback loop. And it requires some very specific things to happen. You need to be able to see the ball clearly. So we're talking about visual acuity. You need to see the direction of the ball. So you're using movement and spatial awareness and tracking, which is one of the big things that we work with. So you're using eye movements to track the ball Mm -hmm. along its trajectory, Uh, using visual memory, knowing where it will probably end up Mm -hmm. based on having seen X number of uh, shots over a long period of time. So there are several things. And then as you begin to make the save, you're constantly measuring whether the, the movement that you're making is correct now what goes on uh, some of the other things that go into this are if you're moving your body then the vestibular the system the inner ear will have to keep track of where you are in space and your position oh, no. so as you move all of these things feed back and if you yeah. if your eyes aren't giving the brain the correct information you're not going to make the safe yeah and the best one of the ways to get the best information is not to have too much eye movement. Now there are basic, several basic types of eye movements. The two that we talk about are pursuits, which is where you're tracking an object mm-hmm. along a direction and saccades, that's when you're going from one object to another. And we know that if you're making a saccadic movement that during that saccadic movement, vision is suppressed and that's called mm-hmm. saccadic suppression. So if you're moving your eyes around a lot making a lot of those jumps from the player to the to the, uh, to the stick, to the player's eyes, to the stick, to the defender, to the other, pers- other people that are around you, that you're really taking away information that the brain could be using. So the mm-hmm. concept of quiet eye involves using little eye movement, but at the same time, Seeing what's around you, and that's what we call peripheral awareness. And those are things that we train. We train eye movements. We train peripheral awareness. Wow, how do you um, how do you train that? Well, peripheral awareness we train using several different things. Uh, we have some light boards where you you know you see a light and you press it. So you have mm-hmm. these eye hand training boards. So as you work on the board, you want to back up and see the entire board so that when the light goes on, you're ready to make the movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other interesting thing is when you first start working with the board you may find that your finger isn't going right to the place where you think it is and that's where that feedback loop comes in so that's we'll train the peripheral awareness one of the things that i like to work on with peripheral awareness is telling people a concept that we call hard focus versus soft focus and what i'll Mm -hmm. tell them is look at something across the room, maybe a light switch or something, a you know, thermostat on the wall and just focus on it intensely. And as you do that, you'll start to notice that the detail around the room might start to disappear. The, the analogy I like to use is maybe you've been sitting in a lecture or in church or something where you're looking at a speaker and the speaker's doing the talking and you're fixating on, the, on this little head of the speaker mm-hmm. and you realize mm-hmm. that the rest of the room is disappearing and all you're seeing is that little head there. It's not that you're blind to it. It's that it's more of an attentional thing. And mm-hmm. that would be what we call a hard focus. Then what I would tell somebody is now look across the room down to the other end of the room, but don't look at anything in particular. And as you do that, what you'll find is you begin to see the side walls you see the ceiling and the floor and you'll see everything and that's a, that is a very different way of seeing it it actually uses a different pathway in the brain because if you want to respond to something out here that you you can we can respond to things off to the side at a very subconscious level whereas when we're looking directly at something we're using a more conscious level or conscious pathway
0: hmm so, so for for a, I, th- I think I, I think that I think I make sense. But for for a lacrosse goalie, in terms of you know maximizing your ability to make saves, yes, like what what should we be looking at? Like should we you know the guy's got the stick, right? he's got the ball in his stick. Should I be you know one hundred percent focused on that ball and his stick, or should I have my vision you know kind of relaxed a little bit where I'm not eagle eye on the ball and his stick? I'm sort of I'm I'm watching that, but I'm not you know, hundred percent focused on that? Or what's, what's your thought, your thoughts? Well,
1: there you've gotten into what the problem is with lacrosse goaltending. And I'll tell you this, I find lacrosse goaltending probably the most fascinating task in all of sports. Mm. We've got the research on hockey goaltending and very simply the puck, other than a deflection, the puck starts from a specific spot on the ice and it comes up from that point. In lacrosse, it could be from behind the back, it could be Mm -hmm. up, down, it could be a bounce shot. There are so many more places where a shot could originate. And at this point in time, nobody has done the research to see where the top lacrosse goalies are looking. So we don't have that that study. Uh, I at one time had hoped to do it, but it involves some very expensive equipment Mm uh you know it's it requires university level uh research background which i don't have i've just been uh taking care of people's eyes for 40 years so i was (laughs) interested in finding out what what the answer that question is and i don't know it right now Mm -hmm. Uh, i think that watching the stick where the ball is the the uh The ball coming off the stick is what right. you want to catch. Yeah, that will set you up. Uh, but we also know that uh, the more up, op- the more possibilities for a shot to be launched. Yeah, uh, the greater the difficulty in anticipating where it's going to go.
0: Sure. And that's
1: why cross goaltending so interesting from the visual standpoint. Yeah. So that's what? Why? What- I'm sorry.
0: Oh, I was going to say, what, what is the answer um, for like ice hockey goalies or, or, or baseball, you know, kind of a baseball batter? Is it, yeah. is well, it baseball that i batter, yeah,
1: that yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. This is what we know. They want to catch the, the pitch as it's coming out of the pitcher's hand. Uh-huh. They want they want to focus what uh, my uh, sports vision uh, mentor, Dr. Donald Teague from, usually from Connecticut. He's retired now down in Florida, but still very active. He would tell his ball players to watch the pitcher's cap until the pitch was about to be thrown and then fixate right on the ball. We know that from Derek Panchuk's work that the hockey goalies did best, unsu- not surprisingly, when they fixated the puck and maintained that period of, Relatively little eye eye movement while looking at the puck, uh, and that's I suspect that that's what we're going to find out is mm-hmm. with, with lacrosse goalies is keeping the eye where the ball is. Interesting, but we need more research. We need more research. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. I, that's uh, one of the things that I I every so often. We'll go on and look and see if anybody's done that. I mean, I understand mm-hmm. the concept of the research, and I don't have a research background, although I have a friend in South in North Dakota that's done some research on hockey players, and he's worked with a research, a PhD at uh University of North Dakota. So we have talked about maybe doing something like this at some point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Going back to the the cicadic eye movements, which was when kind of, you know, your, your eyes are kind of moving around to pick up different things. That point was very
1: to point to point.
0: Point to point. Yeah. That was very interesting to me because um you know, like basically like you said, anytime we have like other stimulus, it's going to make our jobs as lacrosse goalies more difficult in many levels but like just picking up the shot is one of them so Mm -hmm. you know if you're that type of goalie that gets distracted you know you can't maintain that focus on the ball and you're looking around you know essentially what we're saying is you know through science the science of optometry like you're not going to have as high percentage high likelihood of making that save
1: right correct if if you're not tracking it if you're not if you're not seeing where the ball is seeing where it's coming and anticipating where it's going it makes it much harder to to make the save
0: yeah and the other thing I talk about on this podcast too is you know when a shot is coming is being you know being set because for many goalies they're not like they're still sort of moving on the arc and kind of getting in play as maybe the ball's like you know going around the perimeter and they're still trying to track it Mm -hmm. and and that's just you know another argument for being set is that when you're moving, you're actually limiting your vision because being you know having your head moving, what you're saying, having your head moving and trying to pick up an object just adds like an an immense amount. Of it's vision. a very
1: complex. And if you're moving back and forth, if you're using a lot of body movement, then the brain has to analyze where you are in space and then feed that back to the visual system and interpolate where. Location is relative to your, basically to the center of your. Yeah, of your visual.
0: Yeah. Now, is that something that could be trained? Like, could I, you know, could could we do drills where I'm kind of moving side to
1: side and kind of catching objects? Is that something that could be improved? Yes. Is, yes. In, in fact, the- what we do is one of the things we like to do for training. That is, we use something called strobe glasses. I don't know if you ever if you're familiar with strobe glasses.
0: Yeah, they just give you like a little shot of light,
1: right? It's almost like somebody standing behind you doing this.
0: Okay, kind of covering up your eyes, yep.
1: What those do is, now that I've spent some time thinking about exactly what's going on there, but the only way I've ever heard it explained is it's just loading the task. It's just making it more difficult to do the task. Mm -hmm. So it requires you to exert more attention And more effort in following something as it's moving Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that we would do Uh, that's a that's a great way to do we do it with catching tennis balls or you can do it with uh uh, you know catching the ball on your stick yeah 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 I've, i've used those before not
0: i don't know about those particular ones but other training tools like that one just kind of like limits it just kind of limits your vision um and I yes. like it because like, you know, basically what we're doing there, I think, and you can explain, <laughs> explain from a more, you know, optometrist standpoint, but you know, you're introducing these other stimuli, right? right. And then guess what? When you remove that stimuli, all of a sudden, oh, I have a hundred percent of my vision. Like it, it just
1: seems a lot easier to make those saves. I'm not familiar with that specific uh, training technique of using something to restrict the field and then reopen the field. So Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to comment on it, but uh, I consider it would be helpful to to rein in, if you will, uh, somebody whose eyes are moving around more than they need to be. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. As for the training of the eye muscle movements, we use uh, some computer-based things to train. There are some things that you can get. um, There's one thing called HECO sticks. H e c o s t i x. It's a try. It's a. Uh, it's like a letter Y shape. It's a foam, hard foam, and you can throw it and catch it. And the idea is each each leg of it, of the Y shape has a different color. So you want to try to catch a specific color of the on the device. So when you catch it, you're going to, some you know, say the person will call it and they'll say, catch the red. And you got to try to follow the red of this thing that's spinning and catch the red one. So mm-hmm. it's a very, very difficult task to watch this as it's spinning. Uh, it's, it's also a lot of fun too. I mean, the, the Heco 6 website has tons of videos. They have a lot of videos showing you how to work out with these things. And it's really a great eye hand. It, they call it hand eye, H-E-C-O. And if somebody mm-hmm. says hand eye coordination, I usually make them put a nickel in, in, in the jar because it's eye hand, not hand eye. It starts starts with the eyes.
0: That's right. I've heard that before. I heard that before. It's yeah. not hand eye coordination, it's eye hand because no, your eye hand picks up the stim yeah. picks up the, the
1: stimulus and then your hand reacts. Actually, it starts with the eyes, goes to the hands, and then there's that constant feedback loop mm. throughout yeah. the performance of the task.
0: Yeah interesting yeah I love those hico sticks because it's it's um, you know you get you're like thinking and then also reacting mm-hmm. and that's great you mentioned um, what did you mention oh building up the muscles is that so that's that's a real thing like if I do you know I don't know eye exercises I can build up the muscles in my well, actually head.
1: no you're not really building muscle what you're doing is training uh, the nervous system training the brain. The vision training that we do is called we call it sports vision training. It's called performance vision training. What you're training is the the nervous system. You're training the brain. Uh, muscles have plenty of strength. Muscles have far more strength than required to move the eyes. So this is all neurologic training. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a I have a friend Brian Harrison, whose father Dr. Bill Harrison, uh, came up with a. a a great phrase that he calls slow the game down. Yeah. And what they would do is by training the brain, you actually reset your time perception so that you're able to do things faster. And in fact, you're actually creating new pathways in the brain through a, a, a process called synaptogenesis. So you are actually creating new pathways, faster, quicker, more efficient pathways by doing this training.
0: Wow. I believe
1: that in, I think that the former Soviet Union had some places where they would take kids at four or five years old and they were going to become the tennis pros of of the country. Uh And they had Uh them doing all these exercises and found that uh, they would actually develop a nervous system more suited to that. Wow. And what kind of exercises
0: of... were they doing? Like just kind of looking up and looking right, looking I'm not, left? You
1: know, or... I'm not sure. Well, I can tell you the things that we do. Oh. Uh, we use the boards. We use uh, some, for example, you would follow some of the, the computer-based things would be you're following a letter E around the screen. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, it, it changes position. And you have to move a joystick in the direction that the E is pointing. Mm. Not the direction; it may be moving one way, but the E is pointing the other way. Yeah. So you have to use a stick to a joystick to show which way the E is pointing, and it will track your percentage correct as well as your average reaction time. And then it does a similar thing using arrows, uh, where they they pr- present at different points around the screen. So it's a saccadic task, and we know that the saccadic task is actually slower than the than the pursuit because it, it requires a, an extra a couple extra pathways in the brain because mm, it's a yeah. uh, you decide to move the eyes whereas we follow follow a target with our frog brain so to speak
0: Explain that to me. I, I, you kind of lost me on that one. So I, I'm moving the okay. e around. Like I, 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 can follow mm-hmm. that. But you're saying if it jumps, then I, then I need to, then I need to use my saccadic movement to kind of like choose to look over there. Is that the idea?
1: Those are, well, are two, two separate exercises. And one exercise with training saccadic movements, and the other exercise with training pursuit movements. Hmm. Okay. There's something called HTS, uh, Home Therapy Systems. It's actually. Uh, a program used in home vision training for just general vision training, which really is mainly used for kids with reading problems or discomfort, visual discomfort. And a lot of the sports vision training techniques are really outgrowths of traditional vision training or remedial vision training or vision therapy as it's often called.
0: Mm, Interesting.
1: So, yeah. And what the, the idea of vision therapy is to take somebody with, lower skills or deficient skills and bring them up to an acceptable level. What we do in sports vision, we take somebody that might have pretty good skills and we try to take them up to a higher level. Yeah. And of course the, the critics will say, well, how do you know that's gonna transfer? And there's a lot of research is going on as we speak as to what will make the difference as to whether or not these, you know, you teach somebody how to hit lights on a board is it gonna make them better lacrosse goalie. Uh, I'm going to say at some point, we're going to have good research saying that that it does. Mm. Uh, one of the other things yeah. that we use <clears throat> is something called fit lights. I don't know if you've ever seen those. No, I haven't. They're oh, little modules sense. about this big. Yeah. They have a light and you put several of them, and put them anywhere you want. And yeah. what we did was we bought the frame that comes with it and we made a six by six square actually we have most of the time we had it set up with a four by six rectangle for our hockey goalies because we were in a building with with a lot of hockey goalies but when i was working with a, a lacrosse goalie i would raise the top bar up so it was the site the height of a lacrosse net. so you the idea is that a light goes on you have to hold the stick in front of it and it moves at a particular pace and you have to keep up with it uh you can even set the delay between each light and it'll give you your average reaction time uh, to the thousandth of a second. Wow. wow. Do you remember it's those amazing. numbers? <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that everybody that we worked with has shown dramatic improvement in all of these things. We, you know, With the boards that we use, there's a light boards where you have to press it i should have brought i should have done pictures i don't know if there's a way we could have done photos like uh, you can actually look on uh go to benovi b-i-n-o-v-i dot com or i carrot e-y-e-c-a-r-r-o-t dot mm-hmm. and they have uh they have one of the boards that we use and uh it, it's very cool it's Oh, awesome. Off, yeah. yeah I I'll, I'll link that
0: up um, when this comes out and kind of put some photos in there too. That is pretty cool. hmm Interesting. What about um, what are your thoughts on video games for kids in terms of th- that improving uh, hand eye coordination?
1: I think video games are actually pretty good. Uh, you know, some of the stuff that we do looks a lot like video games, but instead of giving you a score, it's gonna give you you know, how many lights you hit in 30 seconds or it's gonna give you your average reaction time. So video games sometimes are helpful and sometimes they only do so much. Uh, I prefer a combination of on-screen training and free space training. If you're sitting close to a TV and it's, you're getting a lot of feel that you're looking across, that's one thing. If you're doing something on a video game or on a tablet or on a phone, where you're not really moving your eyes very far, you're not getting as much as full an experience, but there is, um, I'm trying to think. I had a, I had a friend that worked on something to do with, uh, tracking weather balloons or something. And they, they would hire people that were gamers. This was through the air force and, the, mm. and they would hire a game. They would bring in people that were video gamers and use, use their skills to, uh, enhance the quality of what they were doing so video games yeah. do have some and uh, there's there's a game you can download it's, it's an app you can get called optics trainer uh, it's available for the phone or the um uh, or the ipad or a tablet it may be able be able to run on a full screen on a de- on a desktop mm-hmm. i'm not sure if they have a desktop version but i know I have it on uh, my phone and on my iPad. Optics Trainer, they just upgraded it. I think it's like five bucks to, to download it. And that's gonna give you a certain amount of benefit. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. It's a game that will give you a little more feedback on how you're doing strictly, you know, looking at it from the standpoint of vision training rather than just as a game. Yeah, interesting.
0: Cool. I'll check I'll check out that app too.
1: Um, any other apps or tools like that? Actually, that, yeah, there's uh, something called the Right Eye, R I G H T E Y E.com. That okay. is a piece of testing equipment that we have that can track the eyes. It's it's a, it's a portable eye tracker. It's a computer that has a portable eye tracker built in and it can determine how accurately you track how steadily you can hold your eyes uh, fixation. Uh, it tracks the accuracy of saccades and pursuits, and then it has some reaction time drills or tests. Uh, it's a great wow. piece of, uh, and there's a there's a a routine that it runs called the Sports Vision IQ EYE capital Q, and this will compare you to players of your age group and level of participation from youth all the way through professional. And I know they've worked this with tens of thousands of of athletes of all different ages. And I know that they've used it on a lot of major league baseball players, but it's a great tool to determine where some of the strengths and weaknesses are.
0: Yeah, I was just checking this yeah. out. This is so interesting. So, RightEye.com, and it, yeah. it's is it is it just software? Like it just uses the the camera from your computer?
1: No, no, it has a special a, hardware has, camera. It's, yeah, yeah, it's got a, okay. an eye tracker. It actually tracks your eyes in, individually. So it's telling you, it's looking at where your eyes are going. And for example, it, it has you follow a circle, and it'll give you how each eye tracked. You know, if they're tracking the same, or if there's any, uh, variation from one eye to the other. Wow. So
0: what would be like an ideal score or the, what would be like the ideal scenario? Like the thing is moving around and my eyes are just like, right, right on it. That would be like the
1: best score. Whereas like a yes. worse score would be like, it will I give you a score sp- for trailing. Yeah. It gives us scores on four different levels. Um, off the top of my head, one of them is the basic visual skills, uh, processing, uh, freedom from anticipation or distraction. Mm. And I forget what the top one is, but it it gives you scores for several different parameters. There's another piece of equipment we've used uh, called the Synaptec Sensory Station from a company called Synaptec, S-E-N-A-P-T-E-C. And that's a, it's on the idea of a light board but instead of having lights with switches, it's all touchscreen and you can have lights, you can have different backgrounds, you can have high contrast scenarios, low contrast scenarios. Uh, you can have a, a lacrosse field and try to pick up lacrosse balls against a cross field, all different things that you can do with that. Um, that has some testing routines that are really good too. And then the testing and the training, One of the things that we talked about earlier was whether there's transfer Uh, and what the early some of the criticisms of these are yeah you're getting it getting somebody really good at hitting lights on a board well the synaptic station uses one set of tasks for testing and a different set of tasks for training so the training is a little different from the testing so when you go back and retest you're not testing what they've yeah. been doing. Yeah. Right. You're testing transfer from the from the training that they've been doing to the tests, uh, the test routines. Yeah.
0: Wow, interesting. All right, I'll link up to that one too. Some good, uh, good tools, this, I love it. I, I,
1: you know, as I always tell, I tell people all the time, I tell my regular patients this, I said, you know, if you ever have trouble sleeping, I'll give you my cell number, call me anytime, day or night and ask me to tell you everything I knew about sports vision and I promise I'll put you to <laughs> sleep in no time fast. No, not this,
0: not this audience. This audience is going to be, no, uh, I know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it. You
1: know we, we did a lot of work with, with lacrosse goalies with, with Bill days uh, preseason high school camps. And it was just so much fun. We, we loved doing it, working with the kids. And uh, again, the task in lacrosse goal attending is fascinating because There's so much going on. The other thing which actually brings to mind another concept is that the best performers excel at picking out what the relevant information is. There's all this information coming out. You have uh, the ball carrier, you have the teammates of the ball carrier, you have your defenders, you have where you are relative to the goal, where you are in the circle, Uh, Mm -hmm. the direction how far to one side or the other side, how far in or out you might be, and all the other types of movements that you'll make during during a game. So there's a lot of information coming at you the whole time, and what the research has shown is that those that are better at filtering out the more relevant information, and this comes in very close to the quiet eye concept, tend to perform the best.
0: Filtering out, yeah. I'm just trying to think what that means for a lacrosse goal. Like, what would be irrelevant information? Another another player?
1: Oh, the whole swarm of players, both <laughs> yeah. teammates and opponents.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess it's everything. Right? around I mean, at the
1: same time, yeah. Yeah, it's
0: the referees, so gotta, it's the people on the sideline. Keep your side attention line. on
1: the guy that's got the ball.
0: Yeah, okay. And not be um,
1: distracted. And that's yeah. where that central and peripheral – comes into play the uh, soft focus hard focus and the central vision as opposed to the peripheral vision we need our peripheral vision in fact i'm going to tell you another little thing i got into a little trouble with some colleagues who thought i was telling people to do vision training while they were driving which is just not the case for those that are old enough to drive uh, i I think it's me yep Uh, one thing i try to do is i'm driving i'll try to maintain focus straight ahead i'm not telling Everything around you as it's passing but if they see the trees as they go all the way or you know telephone poles whatever see things along the side of the road as they go past you see them all the way as they go out of your visual field and try to it. see everything that's there as, as you're driving down the street that's a great way to build peripheral awareness interesting so for the students out there you know sitting in class listening to the Professor, or the teacher, and try to be aware of what the whole room is, is going, what's going on in the whole room, the whole yeah. scene that you're perceiving, and learn how to attend, how to choose to attend, either towards the, the central or the peripheral. Yeah, that's because interesting. in game situation, you'll need to do that.
0: Yeah, I always felt like I had, personally, I had a really good uh, sense of peripheral vision. Like, I, I rode my, my bicycle in san francisco for a long time like as a means of as a Mm -hmm. means of transportation and like when you're riding a bike in a city like i always just i was just really aware of like what's you know like what was if someone would come up and like ride right behind me i wouldn't even or beside me i wouldn't even see them but i would like feel them you know what i mean so i I feel Mm -hmm. like that's something i've had um but you're saying that like that's absolutely trainable yeah yeah
1: and you don't have to be doing you don't have to be working with me or vision trainer to do it that's something you can you can be thinking of in even most mundane situations like sitting here listening to me talk, you can be attending to what's around you in the room, seeing as yeah. much of the as possible,
0: yeah, interesting,
1: but of course there are things that we do that will you know that some of the training that we do obviously, of course, yeah. We're-
0: of course. What uh, any other like exercises like that come to mind? Like just ones that were you know, if you're a goalie right now watching TV or something, some little things that I can do. Um, anything, anything else like that come to mind for you?
1: I'm going to give you another one of my favorites. Hold your thumb out in front of you and look at your thumb. You should see two TVs behind it or two computer screens behind it. Maybe you see two of me or two of you. Now look at the image of me or of yourself, and you'll see two thumbs. We often use something called a Brock string. We use it just a long string with beads, and we space the beads out maybe over about 10 feet of string, hold it up to your nose and look at the closest string. You should see two of everything else, but that but that bead. Go out to the middle bead, and you'll see an X crossing at the bead. And as you go to the farthest bead. You'll see a V cross of the two strings crossing at that bead. And that's what we call uh, physiologic diplopia, which basically means that whatever we're looking at, anything closer or farther away from the point where, of regard of the point where we're looking is actually seen as double. And we'll learn how to control that and use it to our best advantage. Or some people might have a visual problem in which they tend to suppress one eye. Well, one eye is a lot stronger than the other and as you're looking at the bead, you only see one string that means you're shutting off one eye. in some cases it could be because the eyes drifting out or drifting in and you're only using one eye.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. me. that's me I have like I have a I have a lazy eye. my right eye is lazy so it tends to drift in and I okay. work contact I wear contacts to correct it like and it keeps okay. my eyes straight but I think there's still one that's just really dominant because when I was doing that, little thumb drill exercise. Like I didn't, I didn't see two.
1: You didn't see two.
0: I did not, no. But I think no. that's because of exactly what you said. I have one dominant eye, right?
1: Uh, if I knew a little more of your visual characteristics, <laughs> I could probably comment a little more, very much more precisely. But sure, uh, sure. a lot of people, the, the term lazy eye is often used in incorrectly. But people say to have one eye sees a little better. They say the other one's lazy. To me, a lazy eye means... That eye is not capable of seeing as small a letter on the chart on the eye mm-hmm. chart. That mm-hmm. that eye, if there's a two two line difference on the eye chart, then technically that's what we call clinically a lazy eye. Mm-hmm. If the eye drifts out but still sees 20/20, then it's not a lazy eye. It's a it's a either an esophoria or an exophoria or an esotropia or an exotropia. It's basically an eye that will kick in or out.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, I think I've got the two different, two different powers. I could, the, the, on the chart, my right eye is not seeing, not seeing as good.
1: So you don't get as far down the chart. So you might have a form of lazy eye. Yeah. Yeah. Amblyopia. That's
0: Am, what we call amblyopia. Amblyopia, hold Amblyopia. Yep. <laughs> now, hold is amblyopia. That, I mean, technically I'm probably not as good of a lacrosse goalie with that condition. Correct.
1: We can help people overcome vision problems. Uh, You know, you can use, you can learn to use. I mean, we know that, for example, judging the distance depth perception, Mm -hmm. there are binocular components where you need both eyes working together. And there are also monocular components of depth perception where somebody who only uses one eye or God forbid somebody who's lost the vision in one eye can still judge how far away things are. But they're not getting as much now. If you work a little harder at you know certain exercises or different ways of improving your depth perception, or you how you work with, uh, for example, stopping a lacrosse ball, then you may do pretty darn well. Even so, yeah, uh, I'm just, I can't think of an of an example off the top of my head of anybody that I've worked with that would fall under that, but. Uh, it doesn't mean that you can't tell how far something is, away something is if you don't have binocularity.
0: Yeah, I was just curious. I was just curious. I feel like I had a decent lacrosse goalie career. <laughs> just
1: I I suspect you did because yeah, yeah. Mm. All right. Um, Any other questions you think you know the your audience might want answered? I hope I've done a pretty good job here so far.
0: Yeah, well, I I think you've done a great job of kind of explaining, you know, some of the eye movements and the science and, you know, behind the optometry. And, and I think what most people, if I had to guess want would want to get out of this conversation is just some drills that they could do uh, to, you know, improve their eyesight. Because I think for many of them, yeah, like, it's cool. It's, it's nice to understand the science. But I think a lot of goalies are like, yeah, I already Mm -hmm. know, like, I need to, I need to do this, right? So what can I do? And we went through some I mean, quite a few drills and, and you, you gave some pieces of equipment um, and I'll link up to all that. So if you're listening via yep. the audio. And I can send um, you
1: some links too.
0: Okay. Um, I think that's pretty much it. So, um, you know, I, I back kind of back to the, back to the quiet eye and, and these exercises, I hope. I hope everyone kind of understood that and and recognized the importance of what this means for lacrosse goalies. I mean, this is a skill, you know, in addition to being yeah. in shape and learning how to make saves and and all of that. Like, this is a skill. I think people should absolutely be working on. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Absolutely. And I, and and I would summarize it by saying, uh, just don't employ more eye movements than you really need. Use what mm-hmm. we call, it, what I like to think of, I, I like to use the term, an economy of eye movement. Mm-hmm. Don't be looking around the other because that's when you aren't gathering the information. Because again, our vision is suppressed when we make a saccade. So if you're making a lot of saccadic jumps, you're not gathering as much information during the, that period of time. Mm-hmm. So keep your eyes relatively still, uh, you know, watch what. I don't have, I can't tell you yet it's because the, the uh, research hasn't been done exactly where the top lacrosse goalies are looking. It could mm-hmm. be the, the shooter's eyes. It could be the shooter's hands. It could be the, the, uh, the stick itself with the ball and the mm-hmm. mesh. Uh, we don't have that information yet.
0: All right. I'm One day. One I day. Get some of the- I'm sorry? One day we will.
1: Yes, I hope so. Yeah, I'm hoping so too. <laughs>
0: one, one question that just came up for me. So, you know, let's say um, a team, an offensive team is kind of passing the ball around the perimeter. Mm -hmm. Same idea uh, in ice hockey. They're kind of passing it around. Yeah. Now is there as a goalie, is there a more efficient way to track that ball? Cause I want to, you know, keep my eyes on the ball. Is it, is it more efficient to kind of like follow it with my eyes first and then like sort of readjust my body? Should I be turning my head each time?
1: What's your thoughts on that? Actually, if if you're, um, I had to throw my phone over there that kept going up. That's right. If, if, if players are passing the ball, you're not actually tracking the ball. What you're doing is the minute one player makes a pass, you're going to make a jump to where the, to the player, where the, that's going to be receiving the pass. It's funny, I had a, a nice long chat with somebody about this not long ago. You're not track, That's not tracking. You're using saccadic movements, but uh, you know if, if it's further away, you have more time to make that jump to the person that's going to be receiving the pass. Uh, at the same time as you're doing that, though, you want to see uh, other players moving around. So if somebody's moving to one part of the field or another where they might be getting ready to receive the next pass. So you want to track, well, actually you want to, uh, jump to the player that's going to re- be receiving the pass, but be aware of what's going on around you as well. Mm. And, uh, there's another technique, there's another, uh, training device, uh, called neuro tracker. I almost forgot what it's called neuro tracker. Yeah. Basically it's something it's a technique called multiple object tracking. And I find it to be completely unnerving to try that. We had one of these at one of the places I worked and uh, it's kind of a one trick pony because you have all these tennis balls swirling around and you have to identify which one was highlighted before they started moving around. And after they stop moving, you say which one was the one that was highlighted. So you're tracking multiple objects at the same time.
0: Interesting. But you're using your
1: peripheral vision. And there's a lot of nerve neurology that goes on in there that's way above my head. Yeah, interesting.
0: Um, well, cool. I was just checking out that site, but I, I haven't, I don't know, their website doesn't really show me what it is. But
1: anyway. I think Optics Trainer, that app that I mentioned, might have a multiple object tracking. There's a new version of it that came out. But oh, Optics okay. Trainer is a cute little app that you can carry with you if you're sitting on a bus going to a game you can uh, the other thing is warming up Um, you know something that you can do if you if you when you get to the field if you have some time to warm up get a hiko sticks pass it back and forth toss it around with your teammates there's really something to be said for warming up the visual system and getting your mindset ready to uh To function at a high level. The other thing that we really even got hadn't even gotten into this yet is um, visualization. Uh, there's a whole bunch of information. There's a whole world of information on visualization where you uh, just get yourself in a relaxed state, almost like meditation, and you visualize making the perfect save. You know how it feels, every step of it and you play it over and over in your mind. There was a study done on uh, women's basketball, college basketball, and they had three groups. One practiced throwing free throws, one didn't practice at all, and the third group practiced visualizing making free throws. And that third group improved almost as much as the group that actually practiced making the free throws.
0: Wow. Yeah, I'm. I'm a huge, huge proponent of visualization. Yes. Um, there's another story that I heard um, about this prisoner of war in Vietnam, and he got captured. Right, and mm-hmm. before, like he he was golf. He was a golfer, like just an average golfer. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he's in this small little cell. He's like, you know what? In order to not go crazy, I need some sort of mental routine. And so what he yes. would do is he would visualize himself playing golf. his favorite course Mm -hmm. every single day feeling the sun on his face you know smelling the grass Mm -hmm. hitting the chip shot and so he gets released and he goes back and he's like all right i'm gonna goes back to the states and he's his physical condition has deteriorated he hasn't played golf in seven years and he shoots 20 shots below his his average right all because of the power of of visualization so i'm a huge fan Mm -hmm. of that so that's interesting you mentioned that
1: i'm hoping to get I decided to try my hand at a pistol team with a pistol team and I'm at the absolute bottom of the team. I can tell you that. Cause I, have, I haven't been shooting that long and I'm hoping that at least I can start to make some progress and I intend to use uh, visualization to help me get there. Cause I got nice. along with it. <laughs> I like it. Um, well, great.
0: Anything else, uh, anything else you think we should talk about? Um,
1: if people have questions, uh, I can give you, or you can you, you can give them my email address. Okay. I love talking, okay. I love answering questions. I've answered questions from all different athletes of all different sports. I was getting a lot of shooting questions at one time. And if, if people have questions on specific things relating to lacrosse goaltending or anything yeah. else they might be doing, I, f- I find that, I always find that Hockey goaltenders don't play lacrosse goal. If they play lacrosse, they're almost never goaltenders. And when we say why, they say, what do you think I'm crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Right. You stole your pads. Yeah. But I I mean, when I talked about the number of potential launch points of a lacrosse shot versus hockey, there's a good reason why there's such a big difference in the in the save percentage of an extremely competent hockey goalie compared to an extremely competent lacrosse goalie there's just so many more potential spots for for a shot to originate and right. it's impossible <sighs> to keep track of them all but if you yeah. can get on that shot just as the ball's being released hard focus where that ball is going and hold your eyes steady it gives you a better chance of making the shot of making the save
0: yeah absolutely um, I was going to ask you, I, th- I think you start, you were talking about it before we hit record, but there was some, like a book, some books that you recommended by, By uh, I think Vickers was the name. Oh, Could Dr. You- Vickers. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's the, the classic textbook on the quiet eye. It's called Perception, Cognition, and Decision Training, subtitled The Quiet Eye in Action. It's by Dr. Joan Vickers, B-I-C-K-E-R-S. PhD at the University of Calgary. Uh, I did get a chance to hear her speak and I've corresponded with her well some years ago. <clears throat> and uh, it's a great book because it talks about the concept of how the quiet eye came to be discovered. And it talks about the various sports. It may not be as interesting for lacrosse goalies that want to learn specific about specific things that are specific to lacrosse goaltending but if you enjoy reading why a table tennis player might use their eyes in a certain way or a volleyball player or uh, you know a golfer and you know athletes are interested in sports I mean uh, I and I I was never much of an athlete I was more of a sports photographer I was in my high school class there's always the kid with the camera that was me so I was good at following action and trying to capture it on film but uh, my guess is that the other aspects that are covered in the other sports, you can read them and say, well, how would, how would this apply to me and as a lacrosse right. goalie? Right. And it's a great book. And then the, the whole third section of the last section is decision training, which is a world unto itself. And that's not so much relative relevant to what I do, so I didn't uh, spend a lot of time with it. But that involves deciding where you're going to be. It's more the strategic aspects of things. Yeah. Well,
0: Dr. Bonfilio, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was awesome to chat. Like I said, I didn't know Thanks. where we were going to go with this conversation, but I, I feel like that was great. Great overview of, of you know, some visual training I hope everybody
1: some- enjoyed it. And it's been it's been fun for me. And maybe we'll do this another time and pin down specific concerns or questions that some of your audience has uh they can always send me an email r.bonfilio at net. i won't spell that out for you right now but i'm sure uh we'll have that for you along with some of the other links to some of the other sites that might help you out too
0: yep absolutely and if people are in the you're in the boston area are you doing like if yes. they want to tra- train with you in that er- in the boston area they can yes. reach out and we are
1: at ion performance i e-y-e on performance uh, the best place to find us is at our Facebook page, I on Performance Sports Vision Training, or just type in I on Performance will come up. We also have a website, which is probably hasn't been, the, the Facebook page has gotten a lot more attention lately. So we need to bring the, the website up, up to spec a little bit, but Ionperformance.com. Thank great. you. Yeah,
0: I'll link up to that. And thanks so
1: much. Okay, enjoy. Right. Have a great rest of the day. All right. You too.
0: So there you have it. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Robert Bonfilio. His email is in the show notes. So if you guys want to email him any questions, please reach out to me or you can reach out directly to him. He is more than willing to help anyone out there uh, answer your questions. So if you guys got sports vision training questions, do not be shy. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Some really interesting stuff on how the eye works and what we can do uh, to improve our training, our sports vision training, because this is a part of it. All right, that'll do it for this week. Hope you guys enjoy that episode. As always, get out there, get some work in, do well, be well. I'm Coach Damon. Take care. <laughs> you've been listening to the lax goalie rat podcast with your host coach damon wilson